Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central podcast, and welcome to day two of our 30-day journey where we're looking at 30 passages of Scripture, 30 Scriptures in 30 days, all because of a book called 30 Life Principles written by Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley gave us a book called 30 Life Principles. No matter how many different ways I've looked at the book and looked at the scriptures he provides, I'm always a little bit confused and perplexed. So I thought, you know what? I've got to do something with this book. I've I've looked at it and struggled with it. I know what I'll do. Instead of trying to figure out how he's using these scriptures, I'm just going to take each scripture given for each principle and turn this into a podcast mini-series 30 scriptures in 30 days. This is day two. Welcome. And I, I hope you I hope you enjoy that epic intro music. Right? I know you're gonna say it's a little long. It probably is, but but if it was short, it wouldn't be epic. It would just be ordinary. But this is an epic journey. Okay, maybe maybe it's not so epic, but we're trying to have a little bit of fun, and hopefully you appreciate this. Yesterday was Day one, scripture one, we're not going to offer any review, no review, because that only takes up time, but please go listen to day one. This is day two, and remember what we're doing. I'm opening up my Kindle app. I'm going to the 30 Life Principles book written by Charles Stanley in the Bible Study Guide. I've clicked on day two, our life principle number two. I'm going to give you the principle as written in the book, and then I'm going to give you the key scripture offered to somehow support this principle or supposedly the scripture from which the principle was found. Now, well, what we've already discovered in day one or principle one is the scripture didn't really support the principle that was provided in the book, which tells me or at least in my in my mind, it seems to indicate the possibility that the principle was come up with, and then they just tried to find a scripture to support the principle, when in reality, we should start with the scripture and then see which principle arises from it. But so many times we come up with an idea, a belief, a concept, and we go look to scripture to support it. And you never start with the idea, the concept, the doctrine, the theology, or anything first. You start with the scripture, then the idea, the theology, the principle, the belief should arise from that. So I'm going to give you the principle, and then we're going to look at the scripture, and then we're going to see what happens. Now, remember, I'm doing this in a sense with no safety net because I'm not sitting down prior to hitting the big red button to go live. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing any study prior to it. I want this to be very, it's very nerve wracking because I'm hitting the, the go live button and I'm just opening up the, the Kindle app, going to 30 live principles, clicking on principle number two or whichever day it's going to be. And then we're just going to say, here's the principle, here's the scripture, then I'm going to reach over, grab a Bible, look at the scripture and say, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And if nobody is speaking, if no one is talking to me in the live chat, then it's just me trying to figure it out while you're listening. So it this could turn into an epic disaster. I was somewhat pleased with uh, day one. I can't say, well, I think those three principles that we gave were pretty epic. I really do. Now, when we get to the end of this, we will go through all of the principles we came up with, right? That's that's what we're going to do. And remember, you can participate because you can look at each scripture. 
And then you can uh, email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, or in the Discord channel, go, well, here's the principle I got from that scripture, and we may include yours. So if you want to participate, great. Now, just so that you know, I made a an editorial decision on the spot yesterday, because when we looked at principle one, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take all of the scriptures mentioned in the in the Life Principles book, and I'm just going to com- place them all together as one scripture. But once we got into it, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to go through, all of these scriptures are going to distract from the main one that they provide. So I'm going to try to do that today as well. I, I think at some point, it may be today, I don't know when, the one scripture we're just going to look at and go, wait. I can't do anything with this. I can't do anything with this. And maybe that will just be the lesson for that principle is like someone came up with a principle saying this scripture supports it. And when you look at the scripture, there's really no principle that can be taken from it by itself. It would require, you know, context and everything else. So we'll see when we, well, we don't know what's going to happen. That's the fun part of this, right? That kind of makes it epic because, I mean, one, there's going to be some episodes where you're going to be like, that was, that was epic. All right. It was epically, it was, it was an epic as far as how bad it was. It wasn't epic in a good way. So I don't know that could happen, but I I just, I I think this is fun. And so I'm, even if you're not entertained or edified by it, I'm going to entertain and try to edify myself and you just get to listen. So are you ready? Day two. Should I play the intro again? Day two for our epic journey. And day two, right here, looking at the 30 Life Principles book written by Charles Stanley. Remember, there's a Life Principles Bible. So these principles have, have made, uh, made their rounds to many churches, many small groups, many Sunday school classrooms. We're going to see what we're, we're, we're going to do with this. So I've got a pencil in hand. I've got a notebook. I've got three Bible, four Bibles. Um, I've, got, I've got everything we need. All right. I don't know what you have there, but I hope you're ready. Principle number two, as written by Charles Stanley. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Now, when I saw the principle the first time I ever looked at the Life Principles book, I was like, okay, that's that's a pretty powerful principle. I, I think I, I think I could do something with that. And I immediately stopped and go, which scripture would I write down? And I thought of some very specific scriptures that I would use here, but they don't, it's not the scripture that they decide to use here. They, or Charles Stanley, I should say, not they, Charles Stanley decided that the scripture that he would place right underneath that principle is Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. And I'm like, really? Exodus? I mean, I, I, there's there's so many other stories in the Bible where someone has to, they're going to obey God and they have to deal with the consequences. And they just obeyed God and left the consequences to God. And I, I could think of some very specific scriptures where that occurred. We could go to the book of Acts. We could, I mean, there's a lot of some very good examples. So why Exodus 19? Well, let's take a look at it, and we are going to see. We're not going to focus so much on does it support the principle, or, or we're not, put it this way, we're not going to spend any time trying to make it, you know, fit the principle. We're going to look and just see what principle we can derive from it. I, I, I'm fearful here. I, I got ready 
when I sat down right before I, I got ready to go live, I, I grabbed my Bible and I started turning to Exodus 19. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I, don't, don't, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. I wanted to look. I wanted to look because I'm really worried. Exodus 19, Exodus 19. What could be there? Am I missing something? Let's see, the, the principle, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. I think that's a good principle. I just don't know if the scripture is going to work, but let's see here. Exodus 19, I got a Bible right here. Exodus chapter 19. Here we go. Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. I'm going to read it from a different translation. I, 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 don't, know what, I don't know what your mind is doing. My, my mind right now is scrambling, like, what am I going to do with this one? What are we going? I mean, we've just made it today too, and I already feel the the car the the, the car starting to shake. Like like maybe there's a wheel loose. I, I, maybe maybe it's pulling hard to the right. I just feel like we're getting ready to leave. I, I I'm I, I'm like we need to pull over and stop because I don't know. Can we can we do anything with this? Because I think there's a philological concern here. I don't know if you caught. Let me read that from the King James again. Let me see if you if you caught it. All right. Now, therefore, now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Did, did you catch it? Maybe just a little bit? Maybe it's, maybe based on your theological background, you don't see a problem. You're like, yeah, amen, that's good. I, I, I'm not so sure it's good. Let, let's see. Let's go to Exodus 19.5 in a different translation. See if they, if I see the same thing uh, emphasized here. Exodus 19.5. Now, if, there's that if again, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation, these are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Okay, I went ahead and read verse 6 in this translation, so I'm going to read it again. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. Now, this, I think we can agree. I'm going to utilize a basic observational tool in Bible study. Uh, one, one of the things you do sometimes in Bible study is you identify any promises made in a text, and then you determine if the promise is uh, applicable, uh, if it's conditional, or if it's non-conditional or unconditional, right? So is there a condition? Is there a promise? We can determine how applicable it may or may not be. And then is it conditional or unconditional? What do we do with the conditional promises, and how do we understand this? Well, let's look at it. I'm going to go back to the King James. 
I'm going to go back to the King James. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure. Clearly, there is conditions here. If you do this, so there, this is conditional. Now, is there a promise? Well, the promise, the promises seems to be um, you will be a peculiar uh, treasure. Uh, you'll be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. So I can become a peculiar treasure to God above all people if. The promise seems to be becoming a peculiar people to God. The condition, clearly there's an if, and what is the condition? Well, the conditions are these. Obey God's voice. Keep his covenant. So two conditions. Obey his voice. Keep his covenant. Keep anything the covenant requires. You keep it, and you obey his voice in anything that he has to say. Obedience and keeping of the covenant, that is the condition. The promise is you will become a peculiar treasure unto me. Now, this is a conditional promise. Now, is it an applicable promise to me? Well, clearly, first and foremost, it says in verse eight, uh, 6, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Clearly, this is a promise to Israel. The, the, the clear application, first and foremost, is to Israel. It is a conditional promise, and the condition is obeying God's voice and keeping his covenant. Oh, this, this one could lead to so many different... Remember, I've, I've got to limit my time here. I've got to limit my time here. Oh, but oh, mm, this is going to be hard to leave this one alone. We're definitely going to have to come back to this. All right, here's the issue. First, as it relates to Israel, all right? So I'm going to bring up a couple of issues here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to establish a promise, any principle here, but I'm going to at least be able to raise some very important questions when it comes to trying to, how do we handle this verse? How do we handle this verse? My first question is, well, well, did Israel obey God's voice and did they keep his covenant? And clearly we know the answer to that. No, they don't obey they don't keep covenant, and they are judged. There's captivity, all of the different problems over and 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 over again. So if this is a promise that you must do this to become a peculiar treasure to me, well, they don't. They don't meet the. They don't meet the the conditions. They they don't. It's a conditional promise, and they don't meet the condition. So does that mean Israel did not become a peculiar treasure? unto him? Or did they? And if they did become a peculiar treasure, then why did he make a conditional promise to them, yet they still become a peculiar treasure? How does this work here? How, how, how do we understand this? Second, if we apply it to ourselves, then we run into the same problem. So I only become a peculiar treasure to God if, if I keep Oh, I, if I obey and if I, quote unquote, keep the covenant, well, guess what? You're never going to be fully in obedience. You're never going to keep anything that God has told us to keep. So we would fall short. Israel fell short. We would fall short. So this would be very much a law-based promise. Here's the promise. You must do the following. We don't do any of those things. So did Israel become a peculiar treasure to God. 
Did did they become a peculiar treasure to God? And if that is the case, is that is that phrase repeated at any particular time? So let's look at something. This says peculiar treasure. I'm going to look at the other uh, translation. They say, um, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Now, the peculiar treasure may not work, but Israel being God's possession, that concept, doesn't it stay true throughout the entire Old Testament, time after time, even when they fail to meet this? So why does he give them a conditional promise that they don't meet, but somehow they remain his possession? Somehow they remain his peculiar treasure. Let's see here. I'm going to, I'm going to try something. I'm going to try something. I don't know if this is going to work. Remember, we're doing this in real time. So that's, that's the challenging part here. It's, 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 it's the, it's the fun part, but it's the challenging part. Okay. So I'm going to do here. Okay. All right. I'm going to put scriptures about Israel being God's possession. All right, let's see here. Uh, okay, if you look at uh, Deuteronomy 7, 6. De- so that's Exodus. Let's go to Deuteronomy 7, 6. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more number, you were, you were more in number than the people for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Deuteronomy 7.6 seems to indicate that, that there's no condition here. God chose them. That's why they're his possession. He chose them. Exodus 19 makes it, places it in the context of a condition. Now, therefore, if, if you obey, then you shall be a peculiar treasure or my possessions. So how do we have in one case, it seems to be conditional, and another case, it seems to be unconditional. And does this have any application for us? Now, there, uh, there. Let me see. There's, there's more scriptures here. Let's see here. Um, if I, if I look here, let's see here. We have Deuteronomy, more Deuteronomy. Uh, we have First Kings. We have First Chronicles. Psalm, uh, Psalm one thirty five four. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own possession. So it just seems that over and over, this this seems to be a uh, a constant thing all the way up to. So we're in Ezekiel, we're in Amos. 
Romans 11, I say then God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. So, um, I mean, we, we could go, we could go all, 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 all the way through this and take this apart. So I guess what we have to try to do is establish this concept, and maybe a principle will arrive, arise out of this. So first and foremost, the, the, the 30 Life Principles book just makes this about us. This is specifically about Israel. So what we have to draw, this is what our, our challenge is here. And say, I don't want to turn this into a Bible study exercise because the goal is just to talk about this now and then just leave it. And then tomorrow will be life principle number three, day number three, and our journey through 30 passages of scripture. But, I, but I'm just trying to give myself a limited amount of time to on the spot, impromptu, try to figure this out. So here's what I would say. This is what my, my, my mind is thinking. Clearly, Exodus 19.5, we have a promise, we have a conditional and clearly it's applicable to Israel, that's the chapter, or that's the focus, that's what the context is about. There's just no way to get around that. To rip that out of its context would be foolish, all right? So first and foremost, this is about Israel. However, we've got other passages of Scripture that continues to see Israel as God's peculiar treasure, as his possession, even though they have failed God time and time and time again. So we have we have a Deuteronomy passage that seems to make the promise unconditional, and we have an Exodus passage which makes it conditional. How do we reconcile this? How do we understand this? I think it kind of works like this. We have, and I think this is the only way to understand the Bible. I think this is just an important theological distinction that has to be made. You have passages that are law, and you have passages that are gospel. You know it's a law-based passage when it says, if you do this, do this. If do this, that's law. So the law requires this. If you're going to be right with God, you must do something. That's what the law demands. The law always demands that if you want to be right with God, you must do this. So they can attempt to try to keep the law so that they can be God's chosen, be, or be God's peculiar treasure, be his possession, be his beloved. Whatever. They can try to accomplish that through their own effort and through law keeping, but they will fail over and 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 over again. Their only hope is not to rely on their law keeping, but to rely on the one who gave the law and to trust in his promises by faith. It, that's your only two options. Try to keep the law passages, which you will fall short, or trust in God by faith and then be declared righteous because of that faith. Because I know this, no one will obey his voice anywhere close to the way they should, they're going to fall short. No one will keep any covenant-ish requirements the way they're supposed to. So here's what I know. God sent his son who did obey the voice of the father and did keep any requirements that would be made by the covenant. He kept the law to redeem us from the curse of the law. He kept the law to redeem us from the, re the requirements of the law. In other words, we don't look to the law to make us God's possession or peculiar treasure. We look to the obedience of Christ that's imputed to us. That's how it's applicable to us, but it's really, it's always been that way. So I think for Israel, they could either try to accomplish this by law keeping, which they're going to fall short, or they can trust in God and his promises by faith, and then God 
will take care of everything. If you think about it, the life principle says, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. I say we will never obey God. We will never come even where close to doing so. So here's the thing. I think this principle demonstrates to us the futility, the, the absolute, how can I say, not the, yeah, the futility, the absolute condemnation of trying to keep the law. Like, like, there's just no way they're going to do so. There's just no way. All right. And, uh, in fact, if you, if you, if you continue reading, all right. So now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. All the earth is mine. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Moses came and called for the elders of the people, laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded, and all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Right? That's that's in chapter 19. Chapter 20, the commandments are given, right? Or, or law starts being handed down starting in chapter 20. You have the Ten Commandments. More law is continued. More law is given in chapter 22. More law is given in 23. But we know what happens, right? These people who said that they were going to keep the law, these people who say they were going to do everything, what happens to them? What happens? They break the law. They break the law. In chapter 32, you have them uh, making a golden calf. By the time Moses has come down from the from the mount with the law, they've already broken it. They're, they've already, hey, we're going to do whatever. They, they break it almost instantaneously. So Exodus 19 shouldn't be here. Obey God and trust him with all the the consequences, no, I should look at Exodus 19 and go, wait, that was given to Israel. They said they would do it, and they didn't do it. They failed. The The life principle book makes it sound like, hey, you obey God and leave all the consequences to him, meaning that, hey, you can do it, but we can't obey God. We don't obey his voice. We don't keep covenant. We fall short in every single way in thought, word, and deed by what we do and by what we leave undone. So Exodus is the law, the demand of the law, do this, and this can be the, the results. This is the, this is the promise, and here's the condition. They can't do it. They don't do it. Deuteronomy gives the, the same kind of promise, but without any condition. You either will, you can either try to obtain the promise through law keeping, or you can obtain the, the promise through grace. Which are you going to choose? I think the principle here that derives from this is the, I'm going to say the futility of attempting to be right with God through law keeping. I think this demonstrates the futility of trying to be right with God through law keeping. You can't, you'll, you'll never be right with God in law keeping. You will never be right with God. Never. You, you're going to need a, you're going to need grace 
Not law. The, 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 the live principle is that you do it. You do it. it. It's very legalistic. You do it. You do it. You do it. And just leave all the consequences to him. You're never, leave all the consequences. You're going to have to be worried about your disobedience. They, this is given to Israel. They say they're going to do it. And by the time Moses, Moses comes down from the mountain, they, they're, you know, they're running around a golden calf. And then judgment occurs. And then just think of all, by the time they get to the, the promised land, what do they do? There's rebellion. People want to go back. There's death. They get into the promised land. They don't obey everything they're supposed to do in the promised land. There's disobedience. Then they decide they want a king. And then there's division. And then there's wicked kings. And there's sin. And there's rebellion. And there's sin and rebellion. Over, there's captivity over and over and over and over. And then by the time Jesus comes to his own, his own doesn't even receive him not. They, they, they reject Jesus. They're, they're calling for the crucifixion. Israel fails continually. But ultimately, we know God is not done with Israel. Because they're his possession. He chose them, not because they were more in number, not because they were the smartest, not because they were the strongest, and definitely not because they were the most godly. They were wicked. Exodus 19 is, hey, you can have this if you keep the law, but you're not going to do so. Exodus 19, the principle, I guess the principle I would draw from it is that it is utterly futile. It's futility. It is, it is, how, how can I, how can I say this? I, I, it's the futility of law keeping. Uh, Just, you're going to have to figure out in your Christian life to realize that it's utterly futile to base your relationship on law with God, with law keeping. If you're going to try to pursue that, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay with God based off what I do. You're never going to be okay with God. God demands perfection. God demands holiness. Be ye holy as I am holy. You're never going to be as holy as he ever, 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 ever. I thought that that was something I could accomplish. It's not. Uh, If you break one point of the law, you're guilty of all. If you base your relationship on your obedience, you need to see now Exodus 19.5 demonstrates the futility of it. Hey, you can be this if you do this. Well, woe is me. I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be that. So what's my only hope? My only hope is, is grace. My only hope is mercy. My only hope is God choosing God, it's, 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 it's in God, it's in the imputed righteousness given to me by God. That's the only hope. It's just an interesting verse in Exodus 19, 5. Again, just note the, the, the law-based language. Now, now, therefore, if you will obey and keep my comments, then you shall be. It's all law and they don't do it. They don't do it. So then how is God not done with Israel? Because of election, because of grace, because he gives the righteousness. He gives the obedience he demands. He gives the keeping of the covenant that he demands. He gives the holiness that he demands by imputing it to us by faith. That's how Abram could be declared righteous, even though we know that he's not. It's how someone like Lot can be declared righteous in the New Testament. How could he be declared righteous thinking of all the things he did? How could David not have his sins imputed against him or held against him? Because 
he had received a, an imputed righteousness. That's how in many cases you'll see Old Testament saints talked about almost like they're perfect, almost like that they're without sin. And you're like, but they, they weren't without sin. Exactly. Their standing before God is not based off law-keeping. It's based off faith and a righteousness being declared righteous, righteous by faith. I think life principle two, based off Exodus 19.5, and I, and I know it really requ- requires a little bit more work. I just say Exodus 19.5 should show me the futility of trying to be right with God from law-keeping. Anyone who reads Exodus 19.5 should go, well, I'm, th- they were finished and I would be finished. Your, your, whole, your whole relationship with God has to be based off an imputed righteousness. I'm not saying that means you just throw off and do whatever you want. You just realize that, that no matter how godly you think you can be, it will never be sufficient. That's how come I, it, it's amazing when, when pastors will say, well, the Bible says be holy as he is holy, so you better be holy. You do realize you just gave everyone an impossible, you just gave them law. You just burdened them down with the law. Nobody in your congregation can be holy like that. You can't be holy like that. That is to drive you to Christ to realize it's in his, ho- the only way I can be holy as he is holy is he has to give me the holiness which he demands. There we have it. Just a little over 30 minutes. I'm trying to keep these close to 30 minutes. That doesn't answer every question. But there we have it. Exodus 19.5. I'm going to read it from two translations. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. If you do this, then you will be my people. He... He, he makes God, he makes Israel his people ultimately by his divine sovereign choice, even though they don't deserve it because of their disobedience. Exodus 19.5, now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. If my, if I, if I have to learn and see the futility and basing my relationship with God on my obedience. Okay, and I'm going to write this down. Just like I did the other ones. I'm going to write this principle down. Okay, I'm going to put... I'm going to put, we must see the futility of of, let's see here, of basing my relationship with God on my obedience. There we go. That's what I put down. You can tell me what you, what do you derive from Exodus 19.5? It'll be interesting because I think some people are like, no, you better, if you want to be God's peculiar treasure, if you want to be his possession, you must do this. Okay, well, now if you reject salvation by grace alone through faith alone, if you reject uh, being saved by an imputed righteousness, then I can understand you would reject it. But if you hold to any of that, I don't know why you would, you would look at this and somehow make it applicable. It's not. They don't obey it. 
They fall short of it, yet they still become God's peculiar treasure and his possession. How do you understand that? There are passages that give you the demands of the law, which demonstrates your inability to keep said law. All right, we'll stop there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right, we made it. We made it through day two, scripture number two. Do, do you feel like we're, we're making some ground? Do you, do you feel like that was beneficial? Do you feel like it was epic? Well, I hope so, because we're going to go out once again with our epic music. Here we go.